Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to The Best Damn Camp, a Royal Inverse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Now just to start off, I'm in a little bit of a weird mood, my my week has been a bit... (laughs) I think it's the best way to describe it, so I apologise if I sound a little bit off throughout um, this episode. I'm also recording this incredibly late at night, the day before its release, so um, you can tell how how that's going, um, but uh, this would definitely be out on time, but um, I'm just a little, tiny bit tired, so um, hopefully that doesn't affect anything too much. <laughs> um, so today we are obviously continuing our timeline journey, but this time with a new book and the beginning of the titan's curse my favorite of well second favorite but we'll get into that of the percy jackson and the olympian series and we're starting of course with chapter one and chapter two chapter one being my rescue operation goes very wrong and chapter two the vice principal gets a missile launcher as always I've got my points to focus on so today we've got characters, story and just generally what I thought of it but to begin here's the very quick synopsis as Talia shows up Percy and an awkward dance occurs Percy of course puts himself at risk to save someone that unfortunately goes awry when he's the one who needs saving in the end too of course with hunters galore we lose someone we love but being introduced nope wait said that wrong oh my god (laughs) before being introduced to an almighty power wow you guys are you can tell how this is gonna go (laughs) today can't you oh dear well so that's that's the synopsis oh for chapter one and chapter two um i feel bad that i'm starting this uh the times cast literally one of my favorite books a little bit but um hopefully you guys will forgive me for 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 this uh hopefully the audio is going to be a little bit better because i'm actually sat in my bed recording this holding my microphone so um hopefully it's not too bad um so let's carry on with this though and get into chapter one my my rescue operation goes very wrong and here's the overview for this chapter sally is the best that's it that's the chapter we can move on the book is done sally is the best i'll I'll carry on though (laughs) talia is possibly intentionally belligerent but i kind of love her for it percy just generally needs to get a grip um talia 
I liked you before, but don't you dare insult my love, Jesse McCartney. Parker Beth fans are gonna go wild. And danger, danger. Percy's an idiot, but what else is new? And that's a very, very short overview of what happens, and I realise I actually missed quite a lot um, about the fact that we have two new characters that we are being introduced to in this chapter and in this series, which is the D'Angelo's, particularly Bianca and Nico. Bianco being the Bianca, not Bianco, Bianca being the oldest at 12 and Nico being the youngest at 10. And the guys are here at this school, which is a military academy, to save them. But I didn't include that in my overview because I forgot momentarily. Um, so do not hold that against me if you would be so kind. Um, so let us get into characters. So characters is kind of like the big thing here, considering it's like the start. We have a lot happening. And the main ones being with our two mains, Talia and Percy. But also a little bit of Annabeth as well, but we don't really know too much about what's going on with Annabeth, uh, which is interesting to say the least. So to go with Talia first, because obviously I usually start with Percy, so I'm gonna, uh, oh, what's the word? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, re no, reorganize isn't uh, I'll just move on because I can't think of what the word is. So Talia is basically the new leader of the group. She's got more seniority. Not really in age because I don't think that works here. But more in the fact that she has kind of been doing this a lot longer. As we know she was on the run from like... Uh, how old was she? She was quite young. Oh god. Sorry, I didn't mean to yawn halfway through that. She was quite young when she disappeared, but she, her and Luke have been working together for a long period of time and fighting together for a long period of time before obviously all this stuff happened with her being turned into a tree and all that. But in terms of in comparison to Percy, while she hasn't done like, you know, the world saving stuff like Percy has done, um, well, he's done one world saving thing so far. Um, she in general has done quite a lot and been through quite a lot and just generally seems to have a lot more experience and control and leadership skills than he does and um it's interesting seeing like a new kind of power position in that she straight away knows how to deal with the situation she is very much in control of everything that's going on the, the interaction between dr thorne and something got chalk something chalk um you can see that she she has a plan going and she knows what she's meant to be doing and in this case it's that she knew she needed to use the mist because that was the only way they're going to be able to kind of trick these military people who are like trained to withstand lies and well not withstand lies but they're, they're trained people that's where i'm going with this um, and the fact that she has been taught how to use the mist as well and really kind of pays attention to her training and sets a lot of time to actually training. Whereas Percy kind of doesn't. Literally the only time he trains is for like the few days he's at Camp Half-Blood before he then goes on a mission. 
and then the couple of weeks after that maybe when they come back from that mission of him continuing to train but literally other than that he, he kind of doesn't work on his abilities so Talia it just it's interesting seeing someone kind of instantly capable like she makes mistakes and she's she well I say that we haven't we don't really see her make any mistakes I will admit but um she is calculated and she's she is like a born leader and I kind of like that I like that we see this different perspective like Percy was sort of like the bumbling hero and it's like yeah, obviously he, he, he is intelligent he's smart but in comparison to Talia we can really kind of compare their two leadership skills and his was sort of rely on others around him more than kind of really make the decisions himself um he does obviously but in comparison not as much and this is where we see this side to Percy that I've really been enjoying and we got like a lot more in the Sea of Monsters which is the sort of not the unkind side to Percy but also kind of the unkind side like we see his uh, like obviously Sea of Monsters we're seeing his reaction to Tyson and his interactions with the people, his opinions of Clarice, his interactions with Clarice, his interactions with Annabeth at certain points as well, and with others in general. Like he's he's not the he, he's a fallible hero, and we're seeing it more here as well in that he is angry that he is no longer the default leader. And considering like his whole thing was that he doesn't really like like he was frustrated that he was well at least in the first book and obviously last book as well we see that he was annoyed that he wasn't the leader again I find it interesting that he's frustrated that he isn't getting these leadership roles because that's what he's used to like he was the number one basically really at camp because he was the son of Poseidon but now that we've now got a daughter of Zeus who is a higher up god like king of the gods is Zeus and people were defaulting to her he is getting really angry and frustrated about it and predominantly jealous like he he causes the problems with this mission out of jealousy and kind of spite he his reasoning for going after the d'angelos which then leads to him being injured and then being kidnapped and kind of what happens in the next chapter as well is all because he remembered that Talia said, Oh, Chiron taught it to me. Has he not taught it to you? Whether she meant that in like a mean way or not, he took it that way and used her saying that as justification for him being reckless and dangerous and putting people's lives at risk. He didn't intentionally do it. He didn't intentionally intend to put people at risk, but he wanted to prove that he was better than her and did so by going out of his way to go against her plan which was to wait it out and then to all go for them together to protect them all but no he he wants to be the hero i think that's the thing he he wants to be the hero because that's what he's used to he is used to being the hero so to suddenly not only go from being the person not looked to as the leader but also be the person who most likely wasn't going to end up being the hero in the situation of getting these new demigods to camp. All this sort of bitter and jealousness is leading to him being 
a bit of a reckless idiot and I, I really quite like it. It sounds really weird to like something that is a negative of a person but I really do. I think it's a really interesting trait to see in Percy, someone who is becoming more fallible. Like he's like in a sense like when I read this bit of like his reason to go after the D'Angelo's is kind of out of jealousy of Talia I I thought that was really interesting I was kind of like annoyed at Percy it's like Percy you don't go into a fight alone like you should know this but because he's angry and jealous and being a bit belligerent himself he does do it because he can and because he wants to specifically to stop people looking to Talia as the leader and the hero that's what he was that's what he is and he will be that again because he can save the day he can bring these demigods in safely but he can't and he leads to this dangerous situation of not only himself getting quite badly injured and poisoned thankfully not poisoned enough to die but also lead to the D'Angelo's being in a more dangerous situation than they were already in and then also of course putting himself in a dangerous situation and that's how we lead into this next chapter chapter two the vice principal gets a missile launcher and the overview for this chapter is as such with the military man taking it a bit too far we learn more about our newbies bianca and nico in that they have common sense which most of our heroes definitely do not but percy does finally so show some intelligence then we end up at the end of a cliff so take with that what you will danger is incoming again until our other trio comes to save them of course their children and this is not going to go well then a gang of girls with bows saves the day but not before Annabeth no and that's the overview for chapter two and these first two chapters my gods considering this is, I think this is why this is my favorite book because how it's well this in last Olympian but we'll get to that when it gets to it because the opening two chapters are devastating and it's it's a complete tonal shift in this in this series the two first two ones that we've got like obviously the drama of the sea of monsters is the bullying of tyson but also the cannibal dodgeball players and then lightning thief it's suddenly oh god we've got a world of monsters like it's shocking and the things that happen are shocking and terrible but at the same time in comparison to this nothing that bad kind of happens in the first two like no one is injured well percy kills a monster and well he kills monsters in all of them so but no one of someone that we love is actually harmed in any way nothing bad happens in that way but here in the first two chapters not only has percy gotten so quite severely injured but annabeth has either she's either gone as in gone gone or we've just lost her completely we don't actually know and i think that's the thing here this is the first time something personal and painful 
has happened at the start of a book and it's such a shock and a twist to what we know for the start of a series well start of a book in this series that instantly you get this tonal shift it's like if you think of I, I hate having to bring up these examples if you think of Harry Potter when we start to get to the later books like um, year three and four when it starts to get much darker story wise kind of think of the films like as the opening titles kind of come in more they're darker and darker as the films go along um, it's bad visually but like the intention is there that as the story progresses the darker the story gets and that's the same here we've been getting darker as we go along and this opening is exactly that we're finally we're at this darkness we're at this this turning point of nothing is at it is as it seems nothing is safe no one is safe in this battle that is going on and as dr thorne says like there is an uprising of monsters more monsters more terrible monsters and enemies are going to be coming and they aren't ready and that's something we're painfully aware of as as readers as well we know these guys aren't ready they're children how can they be ready for a war they can't they feasibly can't I think that's what's interesting and I realised I should have said that this was story element wise that I'm talking about here but for a story to start off in the first two chapters in such a dramatic and painful way with the loss of Annabeth but also this inclusion of these new demigods and this power change in a dynamic that we're not used to we're used to Percy being the one in charge being the hero being the leader not only do we not have that now we have the introduction of new demigods coming in which we haven't had before this is the first collection of new demigods that we are seeing since Percy Percy is the last new demigod that we've seen or at least heard about there may have been some but we don't actually know so these are the first new demigods that are coming in there's a change in power, there's a change in tone, there's the loss of a personal, of someone we know in a sense personally, and everything is just, it's just kind of not what you would expect in this series, because it, it's something, because, okay, I know it's only the third book in it, but there's like a for, formula that we've had so far in the books, which is, we open with, with Percy's school, we open with a monster, we open with the death of that monster, and then we go into the drama. Well, we go into the story, which in the first book it was the fact that Percy was being told that it didn't happen, but he was still having memories of it. Second one, it was that he technically led to a school being blown up and was on the run. But all these things, that's what we're used to. This is the first time that not only is Percy not at his own school, instead he's in Maine he's in Maine and he's from New York so that's an 8 hour drive and god bless you Sally Jackson for driving these three children to a battle 8 hours away from where you live my god um, but not only is he not in New York which is the first time we're outside of New York at the start not only is he not in New York not the leader I can't remember where I was going with this um not at his school and not facing a monster for him to be able to kill he's facing a monster but it's not one that he could easily kill 
because it's a much stronger, darker, more powerful monster that he's never heard of or faced. There is no information for anyone to give to these kids about how to defeat this creature because no one has faced one in their time. Even Annabeth is taken aback when she sees that it is a manticore. She knows what it is because obviously it's Annabeth. But as he mentions, there is an uprising of new monsters and creatures coming in. Some that they will never have seen or faced before. And so this tonal shift shows kind of, in a sense, how this book is going to continue. Which is, in a sense, not how would how we would expect and I am loving it. It's, I love when a book series does something unexpected in in one of the books, in a series in particular. Because like I said, the first two books are pretty formulaic with how they start, but this one just flips that on its head and you are just not expecting it at, a, at all. It's just so different and I love it. But to get into t- into characters though, and going back to Percy and Talia a little bit here, really. So, Percy and Talia are ones that I'm intrigued with their relationship. Because, like I said, Percy's dynamic has changed here. He was the hero and leader, but now he's not. And so, the fighting that we're seeing is being done by Talia. And while he is anxious for her watching and is impressed, we as a reader are seeing this different side we're seeing Percy being in the background really he is obviously we're still seeing it all completely from his perspective but we are in the background we are experiencing someone else being the hero and it's just it's so interesting to me to see this relationship of him considering in the first chapter he is really frustrated that he isn't the hero in this situation but here He is so, like, relieved in a sense that Talia is here and is fighting. Because she keeps fighting. She has... Her strategy isn't great, but again, she's a child. But she is taking the lead. She is helping to protect and save these kids and Percy, who has put himself in danger himself. So to see the sort of respect that he has for her in her continuing to fight and her style of fighting... And even says like she is terrifying going into battle. So he has this begrudging respect for her. Whilst also obviously still being kind of jealous of her at the same time. Now obviously we're not going to get the perspective of Talia about Percy. But I wonder if she has a similar thing as well. Like she sees the way in which others have gained a respect and care and not an idealism but a sort of idealism of Percy in the form of Grover and Annabeth looking to him and being focused on him a lot as well like she's been away for so long and he has kind of taken the place that she had to begin with when like when she was friends with Annabeth and Grove before everything that happened so there would possibly be this fear that she's being replaced by him the same fear that he's now having in relation to her with seeing her being the leader again he now believes that he's being replaced by her so they're really quite similar in that sense it's like what um so many people i think it was said in the previous book that he and Tali would either be the best of friends or 
the deadliest of enemies or something like that. I can't remember the phrasing exactly. I think it was Annabeth who said that as well. And you can kind of see that, like, they kind of push each other's buttons in the first chapter. But in this one, they do have this sense of camaraderie at the same time as well. So this dynamic I really do enjoy. And I just realised that I didn't actually mention the previous chapter discussion about Annabeth but considering what happens to Annabeth in this chapter and the introduction of these new characters that are coming in as well Annabeth is really intriguing we, we get a sense that she's holding something back there's this discussion about her father is moving to San Francisco but there's something that she's been missing out of her conversation with Percy which is well we don't know that's what that's kind of the issue that she keeps dropping off bits of conversation relating to her not being in a certain place like she's at a school at the moment that she absolutely loves because it's like a 3d program that she's been using for her architecture but then she mentions something of if i'm still and then cuts off and then there's something about her dad moving to san francisco which is a dangerous area for demigods and she responds with well if i even go and stuff like that and it kind of cuts off so there's something that we're missing that she hasn't been able to say and it's something that seemingly she's nervous to bring up to Percy so there's some there's this mystery that's going on with her but we still see her love for her friends and her need to protect them so it's not that she's turning away from her friends or anything like that but we don't know what it is and we lose her too soon to actually know what she was trying to say we don't know what's happened to her but at this point, we can only assume the worst. And it's just... Ugh. Considering it's the first two chapters, I am pumped for more of this. And I really cannot wait to get into it. I know this episode is kind of short and quick. No, short and sweet is the phrase, isn't it? Short and sweet in comparison to most of my other episodes. But I don't think there's really anything else to say about this these two chapters other than how truly fascinating the this the format for these two chapters are in comparison and this introduction that we are getting to new characters i don't know i don't think there's anything else i can say um but yeah so that's that's how it's gonna end quite awkwardly on my part but i will offer of course a question of the episode for you guys because that is what you all love very dearly and that is in comparison to the other books do you wait no hold on let me rephrase that do you enjoy the formulaic nature of percy at school adding a monster or do you like when it's mixed up a little bit like it is here in the titan's curse so of course that question will be posted out on all of our social media on thursday or whatever date so be sure to answer it there or be sure to drop us an email if you want to give a more in-depth answer um and that's that's kind of it so <laughs> i want to thank you guys so much for joining me for the beginning of the titan's curse journey be sure to join me next wednesday as we continue our riordanverse series now to plug where you can find our podcast we are available on spotify apple podcast audio boom stitcher and deezer in the meantime between episodes you can find the best damn camp on various social media at best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter and on tumblr at the best damn camp.tumblr.com 
if you want to email me with your own thoughts you can email the best damn camp at, wait no you can email the best damn camp at hotmail.com and i'll read it out at the end of the show if you wish me to if you, want, if, bleh, if you want to support me making this content, check me out on Patreon at A Healthy Dose of Fran. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Healthy Dose of Fran for more Percy Jackson content. And for a current career highlight where I have joined up with a huge YouTuber, which is a Hello Future Me. And I love his content, so it's an absolute pleasure to have him guest star on my channel. And for my personal social media content, because I suddenly changed topic you can drop me a follow at a healthy dose of fran on instagram and at a dose of fran on twitter again thank you guys so much for tuning in as always i've been fran and i'm currently going to be joined in this series by my own hunters because i am your very own hunter and i will see slash speak to you guys next time peace